Hi, it's Editing Eli here. Um, Coming at you from after this episode was recorded, I just wanted to say that we had some audio errors on this episode, and so we used, instead of the normal audio we would use to edit, we used the Skype recording. So if there are any audio editing errors or strange sounds on this episode, that's because we're using a different audio setup than normal, and it has somewhat affected the quality. Uh, Regardless of that, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, And as always, after this episode, we hope to see you back again next week. Thank you. And then I'm starting my recording now. Starting my recording now. Ditto. Cool. Epic. All right. right. Do, do, do. I should have done this before, but I didn't because I'm bad. <laughs> um, You're all not right. bad. She's a queen of sarcasm, one of the best horror writers the nerds know, and in a constant game of verbal one-upmanship with Eli. This week, Anissa Johnson-Agee joins Eli and Caroline on the podcast to take the nerds on a spooktacular journey through the world of horror. Anissa knows how to toe the line between horror of com- and comedy. Eli has not known sleep since The Watchers in the Woods. Caroline reads scary movie Wikipedia summaries instead of actually watching them, and all three are total nerds. It's August again! Mm-hmm. Yay. Yay. Week two, baby! Week two, and even though it's the second week of August, my name is still Eli, and my pronouns are they, them, theirs. Uh, my name is still Caroline, and my pronouns are still she, her, hers. My name is Anissa, and my pronouns are she, her. Ooh. It's a nerd. It's a nerd. It's, it's this thing that we do sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Anissa is here. We already kind of introduced her. I don't know why we, like, I think our system got a little messed up. Um, but our friend has arrived. Uh, and I'm asking the Brennan question, which is another thing I should have prepared for. I'm not doing well, but the question okay. is, if you were an emotion from inside out, which emotion would you be? Anger all the time. <laughs> Ball, all of rage. Look, I'm like the Hulk, like, you know, <laughs> like I'm Bruce Banner on like the outside, but like, I'm always angry. Mm. An mm. internal Hulk. Yeah. yeah. It's the quote. The quote from that movie that came out. Yeah, that everyone watched <laughs> Everyone has watched at some point. Mm-hmm. It's true. Uh, yeah, I feel like I, I'm going to surprise absolutely no one with this, but sadness. <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, what, uh, the joke is that I'm the small emo boy, um, but also I, I have like a similar haircut to sadness. <laughs> and I think we dress somewhat similar and just like you know yeah cold weather dressing no matter what time of year it is and looking soft but also sad i feel like that that kind of encapsulates who i am as a person yeah you're wearing glasses and a blue shirt um Mm -hmm. which is kind of the colors uh i don't know i guess today i'd be joy just because she seems like she tries really hard at everything and i just spent like an hour and a half trying to figure out how to write with a dip pen so I could write fancy letters, so that's a thing I did. 
You yeah. Like dip in the ink hole. Yeah, you, you, it's like a glass-like twirly thing, and then you dip it in the ink, and then you put it on the paper, and then all the ink splashes out onto the page for the first <laughs> few letters or so. No cap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There literally is no cap. It's not how the... Yeah, those pens <laughs> don't come with caps. <laughs> so what ha- What do you do when you're, like, half... When you're halfway through the ink in the pen, but, like, you're done? You just have to leave it there? Yeah, Loose pretty much. I often have the reverse problem. Like, the first time it's like, goosh, and, like, the ink goes everywhere, and, like, the letters start bleeding. And then you get, like, halfway through a sentence, and it's like, you get, like, through, like, one curve of a letter, and suddenly it runs out. And so you have to, like, shift the pen around a lot to try and get it, the ink to come back out again. It's a whole process, man. It's like, my fingers are all stained with ink now. Mm. And I've washed them, like, twice. Uh, it's a process, but I'm glad I did it, because, you know, it's a fun thing to do, and, like, Writing letters is nice because I get to give people fun pieces of mail instead of boring pieces of mail, which is most mail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't know. 90% of my mail is from colleges. Yeah. And... <laughs> Same, but also... Exactly, I'm trying to fight that. Yeah. Mm, nice. Well, I guess you kind of already started it. This is this is the time for our anecdotes that we have. Mm-hmm. My anecdote is that... um. I've moved on from Norwegian. Norwegian was fun, but I have accepted the fact that it's not usable. Uh, and now I'm learning Japanese using Duolingo. <laughs> which is not much better. But I feel like I'm I'm already on track to be like, yeah, I'm probably in line become full weeb as Caroline has immediately insulted me with. Um, but yeah, it, I think it's it's also that like the two-step translation process for Japanese, because you have to like take characters and turn that into like a romanization and then take the romanization and turn it into English makes it feel more like puzzle solving, which activates the right part of my brain for learning languages because like, you know, I don't know. Single step language translation is not enough for my brain. I need dual step language translation for some reason, uh, which is why like non or languages that aren't in the room, the Roman alphabet, it's not the actual name of the alphabet, but that's how I've always referred to it, are very fun and interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I'm learning Japanese now, because I didn't have enough things to do in August, I guess. Yeah, I mean, as someone who learned Chinese for like two years in middle school, uh, I can't speak to how much Japanese is. It is hard to remember individual words when like different sound, like there isn't really a root system that like Mm-hmm. to latch on to very easily so just be careful with that and the sounds don't correspond to the characters which is also fun so well, I mean it is also true that I think unlike China and I don't I also don't know about Chinese Japanese mm-hmm. does have like a core system of like certain symbols indicate certain sounds like oh, they damn. have the I will I'm not gonna mess this up so I'm gonna go to Duolingo so I get the name kind of right yeah, um, but they have like the hiragana system, which is like each individual sound has a correlated symbol, which makes it a little bit easier than like a completely because mm. it's still yeah. symbols, but they have like rote meanings as opposed to like just tossed into the wind, I guess. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I also have only done like two. I mean, you know how Duolingo works because it's. I'm mm-hmm. not going to explain it, but like I've done yeah. two of the lessons, so I don't know what ah. awaits me as I get into more complicated. Japanese, yeah. but could also be yeah. that I learned Chinese weird, so who knows? Mm. But I wish you luck in that. We, uh, <laughs> I'm just an idiot. Like, mm. just don't compute. But like, I mean, my anecdote, I guess I've made like 
two, I was about to say four, but that's a lie. Two, um, I baked, like, two things that were, like, really pretty awesome. I made tiramisu and nice. strawberry roll cake. Ooh! That was really fun. For, like, for a second, I, from the strawberry roll cake, I thought that, like, I was doing it wrong, because, like, it was a lot less batter than I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. But I realized my pan, I'm just, I just did not have the right tools. But it, it was fine, it was fine. It's kind of ugly. Well, it's not ugly. <laughs> it, it looks, it looks like a cake. It looks like a roll cake. That's good. I think that's how it's supposed to look. That's really cool. So you've been getting into baking in, in quarantine. Oh my god, yes. I have so much fun now. Yes. Excellent. Yes. Alright, is it time for our graceless segue? Yeah, time for yeah. a graceless segue. Graceless as any we ever do on this podcast. We're we're jumping out a window, we're dropping into a dumpster, we're rolling out of the dumpster and back in through the front door. And that front door is to a haunted house because this week <laughs> Yeah, I there that was unplanned, but I added a little bit of grace <laughs> at the end of that segue. Uh, good. Just, just a smidgen. Um because we're talking about horror this week. Woo! Uh, yeah. I'm and sure saying, <laughs> <laughs> Sure. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think out of the three of us, Anissa, you probably like horror the most. So, mm-hmm. oh my God. so why? What is what is the argument for horror in your mind? Okay. Let's. We as human beings, <laughs> we're kind of we're kind of fucked up. So the argument for horror is. You get to experience, like, all those, like, thrills and, like, dangerous emotions that, like, without any of, like, the actual danger. Like, mm-hmm. I I love watching Freddy Krueger shove a girl's head into a TV. However, comma, <laughs> I don't want that to happen to anyone, nor do I want that to happen to me. So, I did all of that. Uh-huh. The, you know, the physical pain and, you know, dying, actual people dying. That is the argument for horror. And also, it's just, I don't know. I have a twisted brain, so mm. like, I like, this is gonna sound, don't, nobody, like. I'm don't gonna, institutionalize Anissa. Yeah, I'm gonna be an FBI. Don't watcher. come for Anissa over this. <laughs> but, um, I just, I like, I think it's really interesting thinking of all the ways you could just scare the shit out of people. Mm. Isn't that what? Like, humor is based off, like, the unexpected, mm-hmm. and that's crying and laughing and screaming all interconnected, mm-hmm. so I just, it just speaks to me. Yeah. I love laughing. I don't love crying, but I do love screaming, because it's... It's more fun. <laughs> it's more fun. It's, yeah. It's more fun. Mm-hmm. So essentially, the argument for horror in your mind, is the same argument as for roller coasters, where it's, like, experiencing death in a controlled environment. <laughs> exactly. All right. Or, yeah, near death, I guess. I don't know. Okay. I feel like we both, uh, we both, Caroline, you and I, kind of expressed that we're not the biggest fans of horror. Mm-hmm. I think my problem is that I have an overactive imagination, mm-hmm. which means I see one horror thing, and then I can't sleep for four weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, because my brain just replicates that over and over and over again. Uh, yeah. It's not fun. Yeah, I can imagine that uh, someone who created an entire plotline and mythos for Star Wars based off of one image of the back of Darth Vader's head would also have a tough time with a full movie of scary stuff going on. I can see that for you. I think for me, uh, the reason horror doesn't hold as much of an appeal, especially like 
the graphic like super gory stuff is just for me like I feel things real strongly and so making me feel like strong emotions already is not great because it's like I'm just going to magnify that times 10 and so when I get scared I'm very scared uh, mm-hmm. and I also yeah same problem I have an overactive imagination and I'm like well I'm just not going to be able to rest uh, for the next few weeks um, but I do like kind of creepy horror or like horror literature like mm-hmm. if you give me a book about like a spooky ghost in a mansion I'm like all over that shit but yeah if you ask me to like see someone's arm get chopped off I'm gonna nope the fuck out <laughs> Caroline I, I, I realized that I really fucked up we never did 321 hey nerd I was gonna say something, but then you moved past it, and I was like, you know what? We're shaking it up. We're <laughs> subverting the genre. No, we just messed up. All right. Well, I guess this is the acknowledgement that I know that I forgot to do something. Um. So you know, mm-hmm. before someone says something to me, yeah, about we know it, we did. don't fucking at us yeah. about it. Don't like, attack us. Yeah. Or you yeah. can just email us at gmail.com with complaints. Um, but getting back to horror mm -hmm. yeah I think my problem is that I do the same thing with movies that it like what I do with movies I also do with books um did you ever have to read it was like the monkey's paw it's one of those really classic horror short stories uh maybe yeah it's 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 like it's a kind of almost from I remember, it's kind of like a genie-esque story where this monkey's paw grants you three wishes, but then the wishes are twisted and horrifying, and they're going to come and murder you in your sleep. Um, um, can I, can I, is, yeah. Is like, if you remember the story, you should... Yeah, if, yeah, if you remember the story, you can get into it. I mean, I don't want to spoil it, but, like, basically someone wants someone to come back to life, and they do, but it's, you know, not like... Yeah. It's not like zombies are out. Not like, hey, my fully... My fully formed and like mentally stable mm-hmm. uh, loved one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 an intense story, and it's like one of the hallmarks of the horror genre. And I read it, and then I had vivid nightmares about that because I don't need to see anything for my brain to produce vivid nightmares. I can just read it, and then my brain's like, "I see you want me to work overtime this this Tuesday." Mm. Uh, yeah, I feel like I don't know. I think if I enjoyed feeling fear in that way, I would enjoy horror because then horror would work really well for me. But the problem is I, as a person who has anxiety in general, don't Mm. need to be artificially adding fear and anxiety (laughs) to my daily life because I have that enough already. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I like, I, I appreciate horror. I just think Mm -hmm. it, it, because of my brain, it doesn't really work for me. Yeah. So Anissa, yeah. Oh, wait, you go ahead. No, but that's the thing about me. I kind of have all of those things. No, <laughs> no lie. But I still, I don't know. Like, yeah. But like, you enjoy that feeling, is yeah, the thing. Yeah, I do. Like, it's so, it's really messed up when you think about it. But like, I really <laughs> do. And like, enjoy like that feeling. Like, I hate. Because here's the thing. If I watch a horror movie at night, I will absolutely sleep with the lights on. Like, I can't. <laughs> I can't do it. And like, it doesn't. And it does, like, stick in my brain. Even the most mundane horror images, like, stick in my brain. Mm-hmm. And, like, haunt me, like, at in really inconvenient times. But I just, I keep coming back to it. I just love it. It's... 
<laughs> Sorry, I just thought of like the like the I just can't quit you, which is like a quote from a romance novel, but it was you and horror. Yeah, like I like that really that's basically me. Like I'm in a really unhealthy relationship with horror and I I keep coming back because I'm so distant. I mean, I would argue, can you have like from what you've described, if what you've described is like an unhealthy relationship, do you think there's a way for anyone to have a healthy relationship with horror, or do we just kind of need to like divorce it from those dynamics and ideas? Like, what do you think? Kind of like, you know, like what do you? Th- I want to say yes because horror. I've heard horror can kind of be like a release. Mm-hmm. That might sound weird to people who are like, yeah, deathly afraid. But like, when I, I guess just when. Like, you feel kind of, sti- like if, especially if the m- mundane just kind of stifles you a little bit. Mm-hmm. Just getting that extra adrenaline, like, it's like roller coaster. Just getting that extra mm-hmm. yeah. adrenaline rush just kind of, like, perks you up. And, like, you're awake now. And it's just, mm-hmm. as for whether the argument of whether it's healthy or not is, I mean, you can debate for a little while. But, yeah. like, I think if it just. If it perks you up, it just like if it gets you through the day, then yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I've yeah. uh, seen this thing from Jenna Stieber for Polygon on why horror, porn, and melodrama are all actually part of the same genre. Um, they're all. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, the great video. Um, and they're all basically something called body genres, which is like instead of a comedy where you're laughing at the characters or what they're doing, like rarely does anyone laugh at jokes in a comedy movie. Um, with like melodramas and horror and porn, you're kind of like put into the same emotional situation as like the characters. So when someone else feels afraid, your body produces the same afraid response because you're like basically being treated like the main character. And when like in a melodrama, somebody starts crying, you start crying because you're in that same situation. And I don't need to explain the <laughs> thing. Um, <laughs> I don't think we need to go. And porn. He's like, go ahead. <laughs> Um, but I think, yeah, like, having something that is kind of that cathartic of, like, going through those emotions in a place that is, like, you know, ultimately you end up being safe, but your body still produces those good, good brain slimes, and you can, like, go through that emotional roller coaster, especially if you're, like, in a rut of just not feeling super strongly. I can understand how, like, that would be super, you know, useful and healthy and kind of, like, emotionally good, because it's, like, it's good to have a good cry sometimes. And for some people, maybe it's good to just have a, a little freak out sometimes. I mean, I think it also, it's like there's this base, not even, maybe not base human desire, but I think in a lot of people, there's like this instinct that pushes us towards danger. And it's like, it's the same thing as like the call of the void, you know, the idea that when you're standing at the top of a building, if you look down, there's always going to be a part of you that's like, what happens if I jump? Because it's you want to go to like the most extreme, most dangerous response is just, like, something that exists in a lot of people's brains. And so I definitely understand, like, the call towards danger, because I am, in fact, an adrenaline junkie. I don't know if that's been, like, openly expressed to people, but I feel like Caroline has watched me do dumb things on streets enough to know that I get a rush out of almost dying. Um, So it's, I think it's, like, I understand that kind of, that I think horror gets to that same place as, like it's pushing you into a dangerous scenario without like really pushing you into actual danger so it almost makes it safer than I think a lot of the stuff that I do because at the end of the day like (laughs) horror it's not gonna kill you running Mm -hmm. across in front of car that might kill you Um, yeah so what you're saying Eli (laughs) 
is that you don't dislike horror because it's too strong for you. You dislike horror because it's not strong enough. No, I dislike horror because um, what happens is, like, when I go on a roller coaster or when I jump, when I, like, almost get hit by a car or when something adrenaline rushing happens, I don't keep thinking about that for three weeks afterwards. Like, the terror of that moment stays in that moment, whereas with horror, the terror of that moment stays with me for a long time, and it's just harder for me to, like, my brain deals with adrenaline um from like actual dangerous scenarios differently so like I don't that doesn't follow me as much which yeah. is, I think is why I prefer that over horror but I I like understand the call of danger is what I'm trying yeah. to say so we've been bandying about the term horror so do we want to like delineate that into mediums at all in terms of like podcasts books movies or are we going to like specifically be discussing like horror is kind of a genre of movie like what are you most drawn to, Anissa, within that kind of scope? I mean, I love horror, like, at all mediums, but, mm. like, they definitely do all have their strengths. Like, you can't get what you can get from, like, a movie as same as you get from, like, a book or a video game. Mm-hmm. Especially a video game. Ooh, yeah. Because a video game, you are actively controlling that mm-hmm. character. Like, movies, like, they do kind of slip you in. Like yeah, a mindset of the character, but video games you were actually controlling a person. It kind of like feels like you, like you're responsible for like the, how many lives they have, like mm-hmm. what supplies they have, and that just kind of slips you even more. Yeah, into, like the situation so it's extra terrifying, especially in first person. Yeah, how? So I would say, like, if I had to be biased over like what genre like what medium of horror i prefer in quotes Mm -hmm. video games because Mm. that i can't i just even like i'm a horror like junkie but like i sometimes i just i physically can't like i have to turn off the screen for like a good while and just yeah yeah anisa speaking of horror video games sorry uh were you part of the group that was playing doki doki literature club our freshman year Yes, I was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Double Doke Lit Club. Yeah. Because I just, that's, that's one of the, like, I think the most, the horror games where it gets to you the most, because it crawls inside your head is like something completely, it Trojan horses you, essentially. Yeah. Because it gets inside your head is like, oh, I'm a dating sim. And then Monica really did do that, huh? Yep, she did. <laughs> Goes all out. It's quite something. Um, Yeah. Them. That was fun. Yeah, for I guess listeners listeners at home, uh our freshman year of high school, we all played a double doke double doke lit club, doki doki literature club. I keep mixing up those two names cuz the first one was the nickname we had for it and that one stuck way more. Um and yeah, we just it's a visual novel that's masquerading as like a romance visual novel. Yeah, well, it's, a dat- it's a it's a dating sim. We called it a visual novel so our teacher would let us play it in class. Yeah. <laughs> Let's uh, not mix words was, here. It wasn't even in class. It was like during study hall during finals week. So technically we were fine. And we like ran around and like we all like did voices for each of the characters to read aloud and I was Sayori for those wondering. Um I think I was Yuri. I'm not sure. Okay. I think so. I think you were Yuri. Because I think you were doing, like, a really deep voice for Yuri. Yes. yes. <laughs> Which, a funny coincidence, when I, I watched, like, the Game Grumps. Oh, like, yeah. After that. And then I was like, wait. Like, we, had, <laughs> we were on the wave. Like, we did both in, like, a really super deep voice for Yuri. Yuri has deep voice energy, I guess, is what we're learning. Oh, so. 
but yeah, it's it's a Doki Doki Literature Club is I think one of the games that will go down as like one of the best horror games because I've heard people freak out about it. I've never heard anyone actually like say anything bad about it as a game. They are like, ah, I'm so scared, but I don't think anyone has, you know, like legitimately or maybe it's just because I didn't super look into it, but it seems like a, a game that was really well received and really well like complimented for what it was. Yeah. I do like I've had I've heard some of the backlash, but mostly like it was just kind of though you know those people who are like when things get really popular, those people are all like, Oh, this is just flooding the media and it's probably it's terrible because it's so popular. Yeah. You know, people. So like mostly it was just kind of that. I I can't remember like any like genuine criticism that didn't have that kind of air to it. Mm, yeah. I'm gonna say my brother and I my brother got out last a while back. He's not a horror person either, but he was like, I'm going to try to play this and you can sit next Ooh. to me and do that. So we're like going through and he's like, I'm pretty sure. Um, or no, he was like, we were, you know, doing some light B&E uh, at the beginning of the game. Cause that's what you have to do to get into the asylum. Uh, and I was like, no, don't like, be careful. Like, don't sneak around these doors or whatever. Like, just please be careful. And he was like, there's not a jump scare around here. And then he like, <laughs> forward to open a door and he was like wah and then like as he opened the door a fucking jump scare happened and he like Look, leapt buddy. back paused the game instinctively and was like fuck me oh that's, that's exactly what you, get, you know um as soon as so, you yeah. said outlast i was like oh boy yeah it was great and i was like oh sandy you should really like you're playing as a freelance journalist in a clearly decrepit old asylum with, like, no backup whatsoever. And my brother just went, if I was in this situation, I would not be in this situation. Um, which I think is applicable to most media when you're watching it. Like, damn, that's stupid. Yeah. yeah. Anissa, what's your favorite horror game? Oh, really enough, it's... I mean, <laughs> low-key, it's kind of outlast. Mm. But... Actually, if I had to just pick, like, genuinely, it would be Devotion. Um, mm-hmm. It's this game. It's, uh, I think it's Korean in nature. Like, basically, it's, spoiler alert, but, like, basically, all I'll say is this this um family, this Asian family, is just moving to this apartment. You, you just, you're the dad. You play as a dad. And it's completely empty. It's, it's kind of completely empty when you wake up. But you kind of go through this journey of figuring out what happened to the family because the apartment just looks like a hot mess. Your wife is gone. And, <laughs> uh, ooh, super spoiler alert, like, click off if you don't want to hear this, but your child is dead. Um, mm. Spicy. And it, it's like, it comes from, like, this historical, um, here's the thing about, I, I'm pretty sure it's Korea. Sorry if it's not. If it's, like, China or something, I'm so sorry. But basically, they have, like, a lot of cults there i won't tell you how this connects to it but they have a lot of cults there and they kind of prey on like people who need like um help Mm -hmm. people are people just in like not good situations and like a a, like a a medium a medium in quotes Mm. the family and takes like control of that and it's super like my god it's a ride it's so good. Ooh. That is spooky. Damn. Yeah. I was thinking just now, kind of in that same vein of like where where we draw the line at what is and isn't horror. Because I was gonna ask, have you seen the movie Parasite? 
Yes, I have. Because I don't know what the actual class... Caroline, have you seen the movie Parasite? No, I have okay. not. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like... Cause that's a... Is that can was that classified as a horror? It was classified as like a social horror movie, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because it was. I think that it, that's one of those movies that's interesting because it doesn't play like a normal. I guess this is gonna be spoiler alert for Parasite if you haven't seen it. Um, I'm gonna try to keep it general. Ca- Caroline, Caroline, I will try yeah. to keep it general so like not <laughs> talk about any plot points. But like, it's a very disturbing film, I guess. But it doesn't read like you know your average horror film. Like it doesn't. It doesn't, I guess I think of horror still as kind of either like supernatural or slasher, and that's not really what Parasite is. Um, but I would say, like, Anissa, having seen it, where do you think that falls within the parameters of like the genre of horror? It certainly, I wouldn't, if someone said it was horror, I wouldn't like, like, lash out, but like, mm-hmm. I've heard people kind of describe it as like thriller, mm. like suspense. Which, yeah, like that's I feel like that's a pretty good niche for it because like mm-hmm. that's essentially what it is. But it definitely gives you like the same like off feeling when you watch it, like most horror movies do. So I mean, uh, you could you could debate about that for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will say the I think it's like the turn from the first to the second act. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Caroline, wow. when you it watch it, you're gonna know like what I'm talking about. But that turn is like the moment at which it gets closest to being like pure horror. Yoki doki. Um. <laughs> but yeah, cool. I'm gonna watch it with the lights on. <laughs> Probably smart. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna put on my sweater that I called the big monstrosity because it's big and fluffy and nice, uh, and that's what I wear for like encountering scary things. But like I said, AC out, so no. Um. But yeah, uh, I will say I completely forgot until, like, just now in this, like, today, that I actually do consume horror media kind of regularly in the form of podcasts, because uh, I've recently been getting into the Magnus Archives and Archive 81, um, both of which, kind of paradoxically, are making me l- want to look into, like, an archival job, just because it seems chill when there's not, like, you know, monsters and cults around <laughs> trying to get you. <laughs> Um, like, I could record things and file stuff. That's something I have skills in. Um, but but yeah, like, those I think are the ones where I can handle hearing, like, a description of something really gory or graphic or, like, like, skin crawling. Um, but, like, I think just the visual, like, stimulation of seeing something really gross happen is what, like, kind of makes me totally clench up. Like, I can handle body horror from like a distance where like my imagination is there and my imagination knows that I'm going to be freaked out if I do something. So it's just like, here's like the mildest version of what we've got so that we can go to sleep tonight. Cool. 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 Um, so yeah, like that level of separation, I think is kind of handy for me. Have you experienced that with like other forms of horror that you've experienced where there isn't maybe that visual component uh, to it? Well, here's the thing. Like books, I read like horror mm-hmm. books. For some, I've heard, for, like, for some people, like, that that mental block is just not there. Like, their imagination <laughs> is just like, fuck you, you're gonna, you're gonna get this, like, the whole picture. Eli, I see you. <laughs> I have my whole own thing, but I will let Anisa go. Mm-hmm. But for me, I, I would say that for me, it's kind of mild. For, at least for books, because I, that's the weird thing about me. I love reading books, especially mm-hmm. horror books. 
I love like thinking about what's going to happen, but I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm so accustomed to horror. Mm-hmm. Because like someone could like just like someone could just like rip someone's arm off screen, and I just be on I mean on screen, and I just be like, oh, okay, like that kind of thing does. My mom, I took my mom to a horror movie, and I. Like, I was completely blank-faced with, like, a really graphic scene, and she was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> she was like, what? Like, do I need to take you to, a, like, a psychiatrist? But, no, I just, I don't know, maybe it's because I'm so accustomed to it, or yeah. just, for, like, books, especially since, like, I don't even react to, like, on-screen, mm. or, like, visual horror, like, books, like, they'll definitely get, like, a... They'll get a reaction out of me, but, like, not so much in, like, the, the graphic kind of way. Just more, like, of the, like, look over your shoulder, like, something might be behind you kind of way. Mm. Yeah, so how long have you been, like, consuming horror media? Like, when did it kind of start for you? Like, how do you, how long has this been going on, basically? Literally since I was a child. <laughs> <laughs> like, I would read, like, scary stories and tell the dark. Mm-hmm. Like, like, I had, like, these. I, my aunt like cleaned out um my grandparents like office and she found like my old uh like big book of like serial killers and like like and another book of like other horror stories like folklore so like I've kind of always been on it. Did you yeah. read Goosebumps? Yes, you know I did. It was so good. I loved it. I still I think I still have like a copy of like Slappy's first story. Mm. Nice. Yeah, I was gonna say, uh, as as far as, like, the mental dam goes, I kind of have it, and then I also don't, um, because the thing is, my brain doesn't, like, whatever it is, my brain takes the most extreme version of it, I think it does whatever the exact opposite of your, your brain, Caroline, mm-hmm. if you get, like, the most mild version, uh, I think that my brain always goes a step farther than, like, even things I've seen, and I think part of that's overactive imagination, part of it is, like, a little bit that I have like occasional intrusive thoughts and that also like adds mm-hmm. on to my brain's ability to manifest things much worse but I do have something that I don't know if it's good or bad or just different it's always whenever I imagine those things I always imagine them like animated or in an art style it's never like real realistic there's always this kind of like border where I'm either imagining it in like the animation style of a show I've been watching recently or in just like a specific art style so mm. it's not like full realism but it is the most extreme version and I will also say I watched my first horror movie when I was eight years old uh and as we said in the intro I have not known sleep since Ooh, yeah uh, it was I think I may have said told this story before but it was um the movie the watcher in the woods i watched it with my girl scout troop but my girl scout troop leader had a cabin in the woods that we went to and then we watched this horror movie called a watcher in the woods and then in the middle of the night after watching it we then proceeded to walk to the nearby graveyard through the dark without a flashlight um (laughs) so yeah, that's that's part of the reason why I don't watch horror movies because my first horror movie experience was, you know, in, the woods, in a movie about the woods, and then I also went and visited a graveyard immediately afterwards. Um, y'all went for the full immersive experience. Yeah, oh my God. God. it was it was terrifying. That and is like looking back, it's funny, but in the moment, yeah, I was, what the fuck is happening? Yeah, no, no Jesus one, Christ. No one like maybe this isn't a good idea to like yeah. kids all of this at once. Yeah, I was like, maybe we should maybe we should prevent them from doing 
the absolute most. <laughs> no, my true troop leaders are like, yeah, this is fine. Yeah. Oh, oh Jesus. Yeah, and I will say, like, the mental dam does have its limits, because that means that if something is extreme enough, like, even the mildest version of it's going to freak me out. I think there's this thing with Braz's bookstore where, like, if you were a kid and, like, you read a book and then reviewed it, like, they would let you have it for free or something. Or it was, like, new books that they had, like, advanced reader copies of that they would, like, let you, you know, write a review of. And so I picked this one book, and it looked like it was going to be typical spooky, like, there's, like, you know, a ghost in this old house and, like, there you know, like, dead relatives to worry about and whatnot. Uh, and we'll see what happened at this, at this, like, big mansion that these people are in. And then it turned into, like, a psychological horror that rapidly went into, like, body horror, like, for the last 60-ish pages. Like, basically, the thing I remember most is, like, this girl's dad ended up getting murdered and then, like, cooked and served. And it was, like, a whole thing. And I was like, what the, f- where did this come from? Like, the main mystery didn't even get that resolved. It was just like, yeah, this used to be an orphanage, and then that burned down, and then they built a house on top of it, and we're not going to address whatever the fuck that is. Who gives a shit? Not important. Add off late. And I was like, cool, great. And so I got a little bit traumatized, and I literally had to, like, ask an adult friend, like, months later. I never returned the book. I never even, like, started to write it. I was just like, ah, and then I told my piano teacher who knew people at Braz's bookstore and like explained the situation and she took it back for me. So it's not in my life anymore. But <laughs> it was rough. I was like, what? Was yeah. Like, again, like Mary Downing Hans books, I was really into because those are like, yes. yes. Those are so good. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. And they're like the perfect amount of scary for me because it's not like. Like, if people are in mortal peril, it's typically not for, you know, very long stretches, and there's no body horror. It's just, like, spooky ghosts doing some bullshit. And it's meant for middle grade readers, but it's still really good with, like, the lore and the backstories and how the ghosts are character, and it's so great! It's so good. It's so great. Like, I binged, like, all of her books, I just binged them, like, during the entirety of elementary school. It's so Mm -hmm. good. Yeah, I had, like, a bunch of her books on my Kindle, and that was how I read them. <laughs> oh, Anissa, I was meaning to ask you, in screenwriting, you brought in this one short film that was part of, like, a series of short films, and it's, like, the guy, and his face is weird, but what he does is he goes around and kills people if they don't, like, handle the problems in their life. Do you remember oh, that? Yeah. Life um, coach. The look <laughs> Yeah, life coach, but with murder. <laughs> yeah. Very motivational life coach. It's called the Luxie. It is mm. terrifying and really good. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay. So that first time I saw that, it terrified the shit out of me. Like I, I was like, "What emotional problems do I have, and how can I solve them immediately <laughs> so I don't get killed?" But I remember my favorite one was. There's spoiler alert. Um, I'm just gonna describe an entire episode. Not beat by beat, but just the basic premise. This there's this man. He's he's a single dad, but his child his child is dead, and it it's implied that it was because he wasn't paying enough attention to her. Mm. And basically, every every like anniversary of her death or her birthday, he just kind of like gets a birthday cake and he just kind of sits at the table alone, and it's really sad. Mm-hmm. And he just kind of remembers her, and. So then the look-see decides, hey, you know what I'm going to do? 
I just need to get over his his trauma about <laughs> kind of causing his daughter's murder low key. Uh, and I'm gonna force him, not not through therapy or anything, but through scaring the shit out of him. <laughs> and I'm gonna make him get over it. Which this I is feel like, healthy. I feel like with grief, taking a moment to remember a loved one's passing on like an important day is not really like. Like, if he were doing it every day, that would maybe be a cause for concern. I don't see how it's a problem if it's just, like, a little day of remembrance for himself. That just seems like he's like, you can't have any grief or trauma at all. And if you do, I'm going to traumatize you more. No, but I think, I can't remember the exact details of the episode, but Mm -hmm. I think he was kind of dealing with it in a healthy way. Okay. Mm. I think he put, like, a doll of her, like, in the chair one time, like. It was, it had, I can't remember the exact details, but it had, had that air of, like, you're not, you're, it's okay, but you're kind of not dealing with this in the best way. Yeah. However, comma, I don't think an eldritch abomination from the ether is going to help yeah. you get over, going to kill you, <laughs> yeah. going to help you get over that. I don't yeah. think, Please. yeah, he's like, it's go- he's going to be over his emotional problems because he'll be dead and he won't have any. <laughs> I mean, the logic. <laughs> his emotions will be gone, so. <laughs> <laughs> but like, he damn. kills this man. He kills this man by snapping, like, turning his head to, like, a, a 180 degree angle. Oh. And, like, the doll of his daughter is, like, in the front of him. So, like, the symbolism there is that he's looking away he's not paying attention to his daughter like he's it's you just have to see it. it's kind of all those episodes are kind of a wild ride i can't like adequately give it justice mm-hmm. because it's just kind of a wild ride and then there's this another story about this mistress like being like like saying i'm gonna take over as the wife okay i'm I'm going to be the wife, and then Luxy comes to her apartment, and he was, he's like, "Oh, he's this dude. You know, this dude is never gonna like actually drop his wife for you. So what are you doing?" And he, he terrifies her, and then he does it with the wife. Like you didn't get over your husband, and what he did, he does a lot. He does of, he get to the husband though? Because I feel like yes, he does. Yes, because I was about to say if that gets to the husband, um, it's kind of, but just. It's terrifying. That's all I'll give you. It's terrifying. I would recommend it. Yeah, I was thinking, speaking of dolls of children, um, yes, Uh, it was another one that we watched in screenwriting. It's, I think it's a short film called, like, The Doll Maker. It's either The Doll or The Doll Maker. Um, Yeah, and the whole premise behind it is, like, essentially... Um, if you're, if you have, like, lost a loved one, this doll maker can, like, make a doll that when you touch it, it forms, like, a, or maybe even just, like, when you're near it, it makes, it looks like the living person and it acts like the living person, but it's just a doll and you can't take it outside the house. It's when you touch it. Yeah. Um, and it's, like, it's a really good, just, like, generally creepy short film, but the twist, the, like, the twist at the end is, like, ooh, ooh. I saw it coming a little bit, but I was still like, this is, mm, this is good writing. Yes. yes. I have a big problem with seeing twists, which makes movies less enjoyable, but, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's well, a well-documented problem. So I was like, whoa! I never I, could have predicted. Me too. Like, I, I, I'm not good at, like, 
interesting twist. I'm just like, yeah. I'm just here along for the ride. Yeah, I'm just like, yeah, you know what? The movie's gonna hold my hand, and it's gonna tell me where I need to go, and if we're going somewhere different than what I expected, that is not my problem, nor my business. <laughs> That's <laughs> not for me to decide, so. <laughs> yeah. the writer has in store, the writer has in store. Who am I to question? <laughs> Vibes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, of course, I'll physically rent a movie apart, like, after the fact. But, yeah. Like, during it, I'm just very, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the equivalent of, like, when you start arguing with someone, and then the conversation ends, and then you go home, and you're like, fuck, I should have said something else. Like, <laughs> all the time. Yes. So, here's the thing, I don't even get into those arguments, but, like, I'll just come up with random, like, good insults. I'll be like, I need yes. to fight with somebody to pull this out. Yes. Anise is constantly planning her next verbal spat, and it's very yeah. fun. I'm planning verbal spats that don't even make sense for me as a person. I'm just like, well, now I have to make up a character to go with this dialogue. Fuck. <laughs> nice. Uh, my brain just hit a hard restart, so someone else carry the conversation. Okay. Yes. I may. <laughs> Speaking of movies that I kind of, I was taken on a ride for, and I had to sit down and think, okay, what are, what are we doing here? I saw Ma. It's like mm. that horror movie by like with Octavia Spencer, and she's like yeah. this lady who invites these kids to like. She's the cool mom to the neighborhood. Yeah, kid. yeah. You're in my basement, kids. Until okay. she suddenly isn't. Yeah, until <laughs> she very suddenly isn't. I I went to see that. I went to see that with Piper, and like mm-hmm. during it, I was like, oh my god, this is so good. But like, now after the fact, I'm just kind of like, what the hell was that? <laughs> not not in like the basic premise wasn't bad like and Octavia Spencer is such a good actor, but mm-hmm. like there are just certain parts of the movie where I'm just kind of like, no one talks like that. <laughs> like my friend, my friend kind of explained it to me. She went to see it and she was just like, she was like in like a all black theater and it was like really packed and they were just kind of mm-hmm. looking at it and like black people we do this thing where we just talk at the screen especially during horror movies <laughs> and it's it's such a fun experience but anyway i was just kind of silent during when i watched it but she was they were just kind of like throwing like all out all of the things that didn't make sense and i just kind of remember watching those moments and i was just like yeah wait that doesn't make any fucking sense yeah why did I not comment on that like no one talks like this why did i comment on that and it's just i don't know yeah like Have what is seen- Sorry, uh, you go ahead. Like when it's like a kind of communal experience or when you can all kind of like make fun of it, I think that one kind of like strips some of the scary stuff of its power a little bit so it's a little more palatable. Also, it's just more fun. Mm-hmm. It's fun to come up with things and like add your own experience instead of just like having this prepackaged thing before you. It's like, no, I'm going to make this whatever I want to make it with the people around me and I'm going to have like a little bonding moment with all these other folks that I don't know, which is really cool. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, Anissa, do you know who Kenny JD is? Yes, I do. I love her. Yeah, because she has a... I, I watched one of her video, the video about Ma. Yeah. yeah, yeah, she has a series, I guess for people, she has a series called Bad Movies with a Beat. She did a video on Ma. I've never seen the movie, but I watched that video, and I was like, huh, cool. Glad to know I was justified in not really, you know, seeking this movie out. <laughs> yeah, I saw the reviews of it, and I was like, oh, that's sad. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that happened to me, um, but that kind of communal movie experience happened to me during Us. Like, mm. before I start, like, when the opening credits were, like, kind of rolling up, I I legit started shaking. Like, I was terrified to, like, watch this movie. And then my mom was, like, looked over at me. She's like, do I need to, like, call you? <laughs> <laughs> I 
like they should hold you down but like as soon as it started up and like i was in like a mostly black theater during that time and they were all just kind of talking at the screen and like laughing and that made me like that just instantly kind of took all of the fear away like I was, yeah i was still kind of afraid like not afraid but like i still felt like the emotions of like mm-hmm. the horror but like it just it it like kind of calmed me down i was yeah like, yeah surrounded by people like really funny people actually <laughs> who are all like kind of enjoying this enjoying this experience with you so nothing's gonna happen to you and that kind of um lessened my fear of the movie in general but like i still can't listen to the um the scary remix of i got five on it without looking at my door and wondering if my twin my twin clones is gonna come out come out of there and just kill me for whatever <laughs> reason and take my place mm-hmm. but that's fine we all deal with trauma in different ways <laughs> Sometimes you just have to reckon with those thoughts, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I want to watch that movie, but also I'm aware that, like, it's probably going to be a bad time for me. (laughs) Yeah. Legitimately, like, you, I feel like me and you, we, like, get, like, images and, like, the Mm -hmm. feeling of that moment. Even though you know realistically that can't happen, you're still just kind of like, yeah. uh, (laughs) Yeah. I mean this genuinely. You probably don't want to watch it because, like, <laughs> I figured. I, I live in an apartment, so like, I felt kind of safe, like after that movie. But like, my I couldn't go into my grandparents' house without <laughs> being like looking at the driveway and just being kind of like, mm, I don't like that. I don't like that. I can't don't like that one bit. Yeah, Not a fan. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to think of like other. I guess my. I think that horror is really interesting because horror is a genre that can get pasted on top of other genres, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I feel, you know, there's some genres that, I guess horror is, like, it's an addendum genre. It's not often the base genre because I feel like it's always on top of things. Uh, and all this is to say, I think horror and sci-fi work really well together. Like, mm-hmm. a lot of the most famous horror films are also sci-fi, and I'm definitely thinking of Alien and yeah. I'm just going to throw it out there. Okay. But yeah, it's like those two really work well together, I think, mm-hmm. horror and sci-fi. Yeah. That's kind of, I don't know, that's what I kind of like about horror. It's like very flexible. Like, yeah. you can have psychological horror, you can have sci-fi and horror, you can have romance and horror. You can have, <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's been done. It's really cool. You can have comedy and horror. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Raimi Evil Dead movies are really good. And you can, you can just kind of, oh, Speaking of that, have you seen The Cabin in the Woods? It's I've heard of it. It's basically like they take like there's this uh company, quote unquote, that like has all like the horror cliches of just like kind of stockpile and these teens go into this cabin in the wood and they try to basically try to get them killed throughout and try to make they basically try to make like a horror movie which mm-hmm. is like in real life with real people and it's kinda of fucked up. But I it's still a really fun. It's like su- it's funny. Like it's surprisingly funny. Like mm. they have like the zo- they bring out zombies. Like they bring out like a mermaid, not in like the great sense. Like in the like the ugly in the uh, Harry Potter looking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just really great. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah horror comedy is really funny. Have you ever seen the uh, the SNL? John Mulaney, Pete Davidson horror comedy sketch. Yes. Yeah, that's such. I, the character's name is Chad, right? That's like yeah. the 
That's Rip, nice. Yeah, all the chat gets are really great. That one's especially great. Yeah, that's the one where John Mulaney's threatening him over the phone, right? Yeah, yeah it's, it's like a, mm-hmm. it's very, I think it's a Friday the 13th, thir- they're parroting, I think, Friday the 13th. I thought that was Scream. Maybe it's Scream. I think it's Scream. Uh, yeah, it's not Friday the 13th. I don't know what I'm talking about. Friday the 13th is a different masked villain. <laughs> that's the, yeah, the uh, Friday yeah. the 13th's camp. But we watched, um, because we watched the opening scene of Scream, which, like, that film is, the skit is a direct parody of, mm-hmm. um, and it, it's just really funny to, like, because that's a good example of horror comedy. Yeah. I was gonna say, what's the uh, weirdest thing a horror, a piece of horror media has ever made you afraid of? Because uh, my answer is architecture. <laughs> I'm gonna um, need you to elaborate. <laughs> okay, because the a book that I will keep bringing up because it's one of my favorite books is my ninth grade summer reading book, House of Leaves. Mm-hmm. The whole premise of this is it's a horror story that starts with the idea of a house that's a quarter of an eighth bigger on the inside than it is on the out like a quarter eighth of an inch bigger on the inside than it should be based on the outside dimensions there's like the outside dimensions mean that the inside dimensions would have to be something like say 30 feet Mm -hmm. and then the inside dimensions are actually like 30 feet and one eighth inch uh and uh, not that scary right like okay that's a little bit weird um, but then it gets into, like, the house is a living, breathing entity that's actively trying to kill the people inside of it. And the only, like, monstrous thing you ever see is the house itself. Like, mm-hmm. doors open into long, impossible, extra-worldly spaces that you go in, that, like, people go in and then get lost in, and then they their bodies reappear later, and you never see a monster. You just see this, like, house slowly killing mm. everything within it. Um, but yeah, I got really scared of architectural inconsistencies because of that book. Because it was like, if your house is messed up, you're going to die. Mm. Or you just had bad architects who didn't, like, insulate the walls properly and were like, we can we can make that wall, like, a little bit thinner than all the other ones, right? So we can push that back a little bit to fit the dimensions, right? No one's going to notice. Yeah, but yeah, so that was, like, the weirdest thing that I've ever been afraid of because of horror was architecture. Uh, a good book will do that to you, you know? Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think. But, I mean, it's always been, like, kind of the thing of horror. It makes, like, the weirdest shit, like... Yeah. Like, Coraline made me terrified of buttons for a hot mm. second. Like, and The Ring made me terrified of, like, TVs and VHS tapes for, mm. like, a good minute. Like, I just, there's a lot of weird things that I'm terrified of because of horror. Like, mm-hmm. not, like I won't flinch when I see it, but like, I'll definitely eye it a little longer than I need to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, oh. another thing is red balloons. Oh, my oh God. Yeah. Well, yeah. Me and my, my mom, me and my mom, we still kind of freak out about that. Like, I like, one time we were on, like, the free or whatever, and I saw, like, a balloon in the air. And it was like, hey, mom, look at look at that balloon. And I was like, don't worry, it's not a red one. <laughs> and she, that's kind of been like the inside joke. But just balloons. Like, yeah. why, why the fuck am I afraid of red balloons? And then yeah. watch it and you'll see why. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God, I, th- I don't know. I think like horror related, I'm not sure if I've ever had a lasting fear come from one of them. I am just kind of uneasy around like Ouija boards just because I'm like, just in case, I don't want to fuck with it. Why fuck with it? Like, I know logically, probably just a toy and a piece of cardboard, but why bother? Why bother? <laughs> why tempt fate? Why, why tempt fate and summon some bad shit? 
mm. to deal with is my question. Like, there's so many people who are just like, don't use it improperly. Or like, you know, like people like giving all these warnings. It's like, it's completely unsafe if you do it this way. And I'm like, if it comes with that many warning labels, I feel like maybe Hasbro should pull it. But it won't because it wants to make money. Because um, yeah, teenagers series. will always be white, <laughs> buying Ouija boards. Yeah. Uh, the real villain, the real horror movie villain was capitalism all along. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. Yeah, Pennywise just wanted to sell more red balloons. That's it is just propaganda for big balloon. Pennywise just wanted people to come see his traveling circus and no one did because he was a murder clown. And so the answer to that was to become a larger and more dangerous yeah. murder clown. To say nothing of the animal abuse scandals surrounding like most professional circuses nowadays. Like mm. that's not a viable business model for anyone. Ringling Brothers is out of business straight up. What makes you think a clown could succeed? <laughs> A singular wow. clown. A single clown. He does one dance. That's nothing. Remember that time in 2016 when all of us were terrified of like getting attacked by random clowns? Like that, like there yeah. were random like clown sightings for like a hot second in middle school. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, but like the the thing that popped into my head when you said that was like this. I remember reading this article of this man dressed as Batman and he chased this clown. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I remember that, that happened. <laughs> like that happened in our world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of wild. Yeah, I think the most I remember from that is like we were all kind of freaked out about it, and then we were like, I was in my leadership class, which is a whole thing from my middle school, and the teacher went over to the door because I think he heard like and like looked around because I think we heard someone like coming up the steps to the temporary building we were in, and he was like, guys, there's like. A clown outside. Does anyone know what's going on? And all of us fucking screamed because <laughs> we were like, "Fuck, we're all about to get got. We're gonna die." And then it was just an assistant principal who's not dressed anything like a clown, just oh coming up God. to deliver some papers. And we were like, "Yeah, our 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 leadership teacher completely punked us on that one." Um, got to. Yup. It was the worst. Oh, God. Yeah. I mean, oh, I wish so we could bad. go back to a time when we were just worried about like clowns attacking us <laughs> in the forest. Just when there was clown stuff going on, because that shit wasn't even real. None of the, none of that shit was ended up like having happened or something. It was just like some bullshit. And now we have this shit going on. I want to go back to clown attack times. Is what I'm saying. They were simpler. <laughs> so the 2016. Time. I hate to say, was a fucking improvement on where <laughs> we are now. <laughs> and I never thought I'd fucking say that, but uh, it is. You guys remember <laughs> when we were all making uh. One second. My brain just shut off. Oh, uh, when we were all making con- um, conversion therapy jokes after the 2016 election, and whoever thought I'd be nostalgic for that time. <laughs> like, I mean, I've we're seen making a conversion therapy jokes now. Fuck. It's true. I've seen a bunch of memes about, like, haha, we're, like, checking off the apocalypse checklist, <laughs> which. Yeah, I mean, what is real it? Every day. There's, like, a. I mean, is it Yosemite or Yellowstone that has that volcano that's due to erupt soon and end the planet whenever it wants? That's I think Yellowstone has a super. You're talking about the super volcano. I yes. believe that that's Yellowstone because that's okay. where all like the the gas and stuff comes from. I was just gonna say like at Yellowstone, whenever you're ready, buddy. I think we're all we're all in that mental space. Just wants <laughs> to happen. That'd be cool. That could happen at any moment. That's mm-hmm. fun. We love 
Mm-hmm. You guys, speaking of doomsday things, you remember the Mayan calendar like oh, ended yeah. and everyone freaked out for a hot moment? It wasn't 2012. <laughs> yeah, there was a joke I saw recently about like it wasn't 2012. They read it wrong. It must have been 2021. Um, which makes more sense. Honestly. Uh, yeah, but everyone was like, ah, it's the end of the world. And I was like, is the world going to end? And I asked my parents, and they're like, probably not. I don't think so. And I was like, okay, cool. What is there to do? If the what is there to do? Truly. Yeah, what what can we do? Like, you're not going to change the world. Like, this isn't freaking Harry Potter, man. Just, we're going to die. Uh, yeah. Strap in. Yeah, thinking, speaking, I guess, of apocalypses, uh, thoughts on apocalyptic horror? I have some opinions on it. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I even consider, like, apocalypse stuff horror. Because yeah. it's, like... I don't know, I think, like, Apocalypse is so big now, it's its own genre, like, it it doesn't kind of exist within the confines of a genre like horror or a genre like sci-fi, it's, like, its own thing, because I think that Apocalypse narratives all have more in common with each other than they do with, like, any of the sub, like, other genres you could assign them to. Okay. Uh, and I, I think Apocalypse stories, like... Apocalypse stories like dystopia stories, I think that there are some really shining ones that are, like, interesting and fun and are very cool to look at. And then a lot of them are, like, the same story with a different protagonist yeah. each time. So I think, yeah. like, Apocalypse is a genre that I think has a lot of potential, but I think is not is often not used to the maximum of its potential. Mm, yeah. It's kind of just, like, a novelty more than horror. Yeah. <laughs> like, people... People like think of horror. They think of like being afraid. But when people think of like kind of like apocalypse, like kind of just think of like, oh, let me get my mood board of all like the badass shit I get to wear when like the apocalypse <laughs> happens. Or like, oh, like a fucking vision board for when the fucking yeah. world ends. Vision board of like all the cool outfits I'm gonna wear. Like all this, all this leather. Like, that's <laughs> what's stopping that's- you, boo? Wear leather now. I mean, period. Like unless you. I mean, if you don't want to sweat out, but go ahead. Yeah. You can do what you want. But, I mean, it's it's not it's not like that scary anymore. Because, okay. Like, mm-hmm. You just kind of think of, when you think of apocalypse and dystopia, you think of, like, kind of, honestly, weirdly enough, freedom. Like, mm. there's no societal constraints. Yeah. There's no taxes to pay. There's no senator with more money than you. Who can like take your life away at any time? There's just a barren wasteland or whatever, and, and you and your gun, you and yeah. your gun. So I mean, yeah, you, like what really? Because I we honestly we fear like like the societal constraints more. I think more than okay. we fear like being having none of those, like mm-hmm. having just complete freedom. Because it's just. The fact, cause they're more subtle. I'm not gonna like get into like we live in a society. <laughs> we do. Yeah, we do. We do kind like, of by definition, we we are people living in a civilization. That's kind of a society. It's kind of society, but <laughs> I think apocalypse is really enough, kind of almost like an escape. Mm-hmm. It's like you can do like you can do whatever you want, and you can like you got a gun, and you can like maybe have like a little dog companion or like if it's like a if it's like a supernatural like apocalypse you can have like a little like a little like zombie dog or whatever Aww. You can have <laughs> if you become one of the zombies you can have a little zombie dog, a zombie dog. Aww. It's, 
it's kind of more like a, a novelty than anything else, really. Matters. Okay. I think so. I would... think it's like the immediacy of horror is what kind of defines it of like the urgency or like kind of the immediate situation instead of like just kind of grueling, like sprawling wasteland before you and just having to like live your life that way. Like, I yeah. think it's also true that like, it, at least for me, the best horror is horrifying because it takes place within the confines of the world we live in or like it takes place in a world that looks like ours yeah even like supernatural horror or stuff like the Blair Witch Project where it's like yeah that's obviously not gonna happen because you know science says no and whatever (laughs) science Um, fuck off science is incorrect no um but it's like horror is horrifying because it takes the world you recognize and twists it and turns it against you right Mm. And, like, I think, and I think that makes, like, sci-fi horror, as much as I like it, it feels a little bit more removed because Mm -hmm. it is, like, it's horror, but it's not in a world you recognize. And I think apocalypse stories also have that same, like, almost disconnect because it's not taking a world you recognize and completely turning it inside out. It's, like, this is a world that is foreign to you and is terrifying in its foreignness, but horror is terrifying in, like, Like, this could be in your neighborhood. This creepy house where kids go and get murdered could be something that exists in the city you live in. There could Mm. be a serial killer coming to kill you tonight. You wouldn't know. And I think that's why horror is so terrifying is because it's so viscerally of our world. Yeah. I will say masked serial killers make a lot more sense nowadays because now it's just like, oh, they're being socially responsible. Mm. Um, I will say this. So that's like a really interesting distinction that you make and Anissa you mentioned zombies specifically a little bit ago so in terms of like horror video games so do you think the walking dead like telltale game do you think that falls outside of that kind of spectrum like even though it puts you in that immediate like does the immediacy of the situation of like being in a zombie apocalypse kind of offset the like you still have to learn how to survive kind of day by day and take it that way I would say because here's the thing about those games like it's it's more of like a shooter than a horror game, or like mm. an emotional ride and a shooter than a horror game. Like you feel me? Okay. Like, cause you can you you can sort of when you think about those games, you can sort of see yourself like on like a radio tower somewhere, like aiming a gun at some zombies from like a safe distance, <laughs> as where as where like are just like you could you can visualize having something to protect yourself. Yeah. Like, you have, like, a gun or, like, a bat or something that's covered with nails. Like, you can envision that protection. But, like, I think what's so terrifying, like, horror, horror, I think so is so terrifying about it is that, like, there could be, like, a serial killer coming to get you and, like, mm. breaking into your house and, like, trying to kill you. And you could, like, run out to the street and, like, scream for help and no one would believe you. And, like, that's way more terrifying I, really enough, like you like said, like familiarity is what we're yeah. Like okay, people are assholes, like straight up, like yeah. There's like a good chance that if that did actually happen to you, no one will believe you, and no, either no one believe you or no one would give a shit. And mm. that like that feeling of you have no help, and like you can't. It's not like you can like, I mean, you could, but it's not like you could like take a bat. Just something like that because I mean shit you might end up in jail like it's just it's just so many like blocks immediate blocks like protecting yourself 
Whereas in like in the Walking Dead games, you you got a gun, you got mm-hmm. a bat. It's like society is completely torn down. No one really cares. Like okay, you to survive, man. Like it. I would say zombies are like kind of terrifying, but yeah, I don't know. Like right now, they've been so like they've been kind of overused and in different ways too. So like. Loki kind of takes away the terror of yeah. Mm-hmm. The zombie as a concept is like used in so many different ways, like for mm-hmm. comedy or for horror or for some some freaky instances, romance. But oh yeah, warm bodies happened. <laughs> yep, that happened. <laughs> that did happen. That wasn't a collective fever. Wasn't there also like a Disney Channel movie about like yes, dating zombie? Yes, there was. Yeah, and there's also iZombie, and also zombies have showed up in Minecraft, and I feel like once you show up in Minecraft, you're kind of done yeah. as a horror monster. But, like, zombies have almost become, like, the vampire boyfriend at this mm. point. Like, they're not that scary. Like, zombies are up there with vampires and werewolves, you know? Yeah. They're just... Yeah. <laughs> also, we, I'm gonna go on a tangent about Frankenstein and to be put in that group. Oh, <laughs> yes, please. Are you Yes, kidding? please. Listen, are you kidding me? Like, a young, tortured scientist and his beautiful creation alone together? Are you kidding me? Okay, I will say this. I will say this. The tortured scientist is not a fucking scientist. He's a jobless, he's like an unemployed college dropout, is what he is. And he's such a pussy that when he saw what he made, what he spent fucking months and years of his time making he looked he took one look at it and he was so freaked out he fainted got a fever and then went insane for the next like several weeks giving the monster ample time to escape i am far more sympathetic to frankenstein's monster than i am to his deadbeat dad honestly i mean fuck victor (laughs) fuck victor really but just i don't know the concept of that if you take out the fact that victor is like an asshole um then like that premise is very appealing we went off to a completely different tangent. No, I think this we can tie this back in, actually, because I think the reason that it's partly so terrifying and part of why Mary Shelley wrote it was because for her, that was something that was within the realm of possibility in her life because it was inspired in part, I think, by like seeing a scientific demonstration where like a scientist used electricity to make like a frog, a dead frog's like leg muscles twitch. And she was like, oh shit like what if we can actually bring bodies back to life with electricity what the fuck would that look like what are the ethics involved with that so i think the reason that it's kind of endured so long and become kind of a staple is because at least at first it was an example of like this is kind of horrific and what if this actually happens and goes further like as a work of speculative fiction it's really Mm -hmm. an amazing piece of work mary shelley was also great there's a rumor that she lost her virginity on her mother's grave to a married man which like (laughs) Go ahead, Mary Shelley. I mean, no one else is that goth. No one else has been that goth since. No one else ever will be that goth. I just like, even if it's not true, the fact that it's attributed to her is so so good. The fact that someone, like, one person said it, and enough people were like, "Yeah, it sounds like it could be true." That it's just like a thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, she was raised, her dad was friends with a bunch of radical philosophers, and they basically, like, helped raise her, and then she ended up the way she is. She snagged a married man at age 19, got him to divorce his wife, like, got him to leave his wife for her, then invented the the genre of sci-fi and horror at, like, 19 years old. She was a queen. We love to see it. And here's the thing about Frankenstein. Mm -hmm. Like, 
if you read the actual book, like the the stuff like the shit in the movies about like electricity, they made that shit up. Like they made yeah. that shit up. Like, full stop. Like yeah. If you think about like Frankenstein, like the actual part of it, they're like this man is in his college dorm room. Like you know yeah. he doesn't have like a good scientific like equipment. This boy's he's such a dumbass canonically. Victor Frankenstein. I'm just gonna wail on Victor Frankenstein here for a few minutes if Go y'all ahead. Alright, yeah. so this motherfucker, he, like, grows up in the Swiss Alps. He's having a great time. His parents adopt... I'm just gonna... This background sounds off-topic. It explains a lot about who he is as a person. So his parents, like, dote on him all the time. He's their only child. And then they go off and, like, they're touring some poor country. And then they see this one poor child that's way prettier than all the other poor children. And they're like, excuse me, is this, why is this one blonde? Where did you get this one from? Clearly she's not yours. And they're like, she's from a rich family and we just kind of have to take care of her. But if you want her, she's yours. And so they adopt this poor child. Because fuck all the other kids, I guess. (laughs) You're ugly and poor. You're not getting adopted. (laughs) To hell with all these other children in poverty. This one's coming with us. So she's his adopted sister who they basically treat as related to him, like like a cousin, and who he loves like a bride, because it's the 1800s and he's from an aristocratic family. He's homeschooled his entire life and is so behind on the sciences that he's really excited when he gets there, but he starts spouting, like, alchemical shit in his natural philosophy class instead of actual current scientific theories, gets clowned by his professor for being such a dumbass, <laughs> then goes back to his dorm and is like, I'm going to learn everything, and then I'm going to figure out how to make life, and then you'll be sorry. And then he makes life, and Frankenstein is like three framing devices, but within at least one of them, he's like, I'm never going to disclose how I made this life happen, because no one else should have that power. So yeah, everything they have in the movies is bullshit. But yeah. Frankenstein is also a dumbass, so he might have just gone, like, zippity zap after doing some grave robbing. <laughs> so, you know, that's oh, how yeah. he... The, mon- the movie's also made Frankenstein's monster ugly, which I don't like. I mean, he's hot, canonically. He's, like, like the prettiest man who's ever existed. Like, don't at me, he's hot, canonically. He's like, hot and he's smart. He speaks fucking three different languages and knows all this shit about philosophy because he taught himself how to read, like, fucking chronologically like two years old he speaks fucking french he knows fucking science what the shit yeah i'm gonna be like early universal so you know we can't have like a sympathetic yeah we can't have a sympathetic villain god forbid but you know anyway frankenstein i have feelings on it i've read the book don't fucking at me i hear these feelings at least once every six months it's the same series of conversations caroline and i go down fucking stupid victor frankenstein is every six yeah. months caroline you and me need to sit down and just talk about frankenstein for like a yes. good while because i yes. so many feelings like my god yes we need to do this we may just have you like just fucking in a future episode it's just gonna be me and anisa talking about frankenstein for like yeah two- i'm i'm there but i'm silent because i've never read it and i have nothing to add read it read it oh read it. no no, I'm not gonna do that. But I, I recognize that I've been um, lightly threatened into reading it, and I'm not going to read it. But I acknowledge the threat. Um, <laughs> it's nice to feel validated and seen and affirmed, you know. Yeah, I see you threatening me, and I accept that you're threatening me, and I'm not gonna follow through on what the threat is. But okay, that's, that's um, all we want, Eli. <laughs> acknowledgement of the threat. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah, I was just going to say, I think also with monsters, and maybe this is like edging a little bit away from horror into just general supernatural, but I, I guess supernatural exists as like a subset of horror. Um, I am... And I think anyone who's ever listened to me talk about cryptids before knows that I'm fucking fascinated by, like, the idea of cryptids. And I have a whole spiel on, like, why cryptids are the modern evolution of mythology that I'm not going to get into here. And I should have gone into on the mythology episode. But, yeah, my thesis is essentially, like, the human desire to create mythologies and to explain things through mythologies. We no longer consider these stories to be mythologies because now we've reached, like, a point in time where mythologies are considered ancient. Um, but cryptids are like the mod cryptids and especially American cryptids are like the modern evolution of like a mythology in the United States. Um, and also like across the world, but I think the like the term cryptid is specific to the United States. All of this is to say cryptids fascinate me and the stories around them fascinate me. And also just like there are some of them that are so ridiculous. Like they're the yeah. they're like the two foot tall cornmen, I think, in Idaho that are just there and I don't know why. <laughs> Because it's Idaho and they have a fuck ton of corn, Eli. Try to keep up. Oh, wait, no, yeah. I know. Idaho's potatoes. Yeah. That's Iowa is corn. Maybe it's, maybe it's Iowa. Somewhere with corn, they have the corn men. Uh, and it's also amazing the amount of, like, states whose most popular mythology is just, like, some variation on an alien. Because there are a yeah. few states that are original, but a lot of them it's just like, yeah, it's an alien. And it looks slightly different from our neighboring states' aliens. But we have aliens. Y'all's aliens went on a fucking road trip. Fucking acknowledge it. Um, I will say this. It does make sense because I think mythological, like, especially in Greek mythology, there's a similarity between, like, Greek mythological figures and rural cryptids like the Mothman. Namely, the big yeah, one Mothman. being the both of them have statues with really great asses. And yeah, asses. people are horny okay, for them. Can I... Apparently, a really I, nice okay. butt, according to at least Depending one. on what you say, I'm going to at you, but go ahead, Anissa. Go at me, but Loki, I would fuck Mothman. If Anissa is a confirmed monster fucker. Yeah, I've been saying this for yeah. over a year now. We know that. We we know. We've yeah. known. But <laughs> now you've confirmed for the internet, and anyone yeah, who stumbles across it, it Anissa yeah, is afraid. a monster fucker. Hey, shape of water is out. I'm not afraid. <laughs> <laughs> You can't silence this community, Eli. Stop being a bigot. I'm not silencing the community. I'm just silencing Anissa specifically because I've heard about all of Anissa's. I I saw Anissa's smasher pass list for monsters. Like I have a fucking list. I swear to God, if they're real. <laughs> See, it, yeah, it's You're not just the general. It's just another Anissa. Thing. My hall pass list is extensive. <laughs> But I'm gonna need you to look. <laughs> My hall pass list is extensive, but it's also 90% things that maybe don't exist, so. <laughs> if, I swear to God, if they exist, it's on site. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Anissa, like, if Anissa was a protagonist of, like, a Monster of the Week show, it would be a regular Monster of the Week show, except instead of ending with the monsters being killed, it would just end with Anissa seducing them. Um, Torchwood, Eli. Maybe. I've never watched Torchwood, but that sounds accurate. Captain Jack Harkness is horny for most. Well, yeah. I mean, seriously, so, yeah. like, put me as a protagonist of, like, those, like, those Scooby-Doo episodes. Completely different ending. <laughs> I, on Scooby-Doo, though, it's just, like, old white dudes trying to commit insurance fraud, I'm pretty sure. Those are decidedly that, that is, Wait, that is kind of a lot. Yeah, of it's just a lot of people trying to commit insurance fraud. 
They were like, I want to wreck my shop so it can get abandoned and old, and then I can get some fucking payouts from it. And it's like, that's so bureaucratic and also unnecessary. <laughs> we love Scooby-Doo. It's... Smile. Scooby-Doo is really funny because it's also a bunch of people getting revenge not by committing murder, like almost every other mystery show does, but instead by, you know, dressing up like a monster and just messing with people's lives. Yeah, I feel like most Scooby-Doo mysteries could be solved if they just went to, like, the neighborhood party city and were like, who's been in here recently? <laughs> you know what, my wife cheated on me. I'm gonna dress up as Frankenstein's monster and haunt her, her new husband. I mean... Alright, so. if that's how you want to cope, that's how you want to cope. I guess I can't stop you. That might um, not be healthy, but, I mean, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we really can't condemn anyone for monster fucking confirmed or otherwise until we acknowledge that like i mean how far do we want to go like what is the line between like monster fucking and just like normal sexuality where do vampires fall specifically do those count (laughs) okay here's here's the thing if it's it's, here's what i will say okay if it's attraction to them because of like just the pure aesthetics of that vampire it's not. If it's attraction to them because they're gonna suck your blood while you're having sex, that's monster fucking. <laughs> you are a monster fucker. <laughs> Appearance? No. If it's any of their vampiric qualities, yes, you are. No escape. Yeah, I will say this. I saw a post on Tumblr that was, like, really quite succinctly, I think, explained why most people are, like, into vampires, and is like, yeah, it's horrifying that they want to, like, drain your life from you. But also, the neck is a sexy place to get bit. And I think that's, like... <laughs> like, yeah! It kind of oh. is! I get it! Like... Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I mean, I not- think it's also the fact that, like, every single... Or most people who describe the feeling of getting, like, your blood sucked by a vampire describe it in a euphoric, yeah. borderline, orgasmic way. Which doesn't help the case of vampires yeah. by blood sucking... It's and, like, if the vampire is in a committed relationship with the person they're about to drain, like, it's treated like it's a whole big, like, commitment thing. And, mm-hmm. like, I guess that's true, but also, why do you have to frame it like you guys are about to have sex for the first time? I feel like these two things should maybe be disparate. I mean, hopefully you're using protection in both instances, but, you know. Just thinking of that, like... Yeah. What's, like, the... Because, I it's mean, like, you can catch something if they... Yeah! Just, sort of, like, a, bloodborne diseases are a thing. Yeah, like, what, what do you have, bro? Like, hold on, we need to get you tested. Yeah, like, we need yeah. to get Zika before we go any further in this relationship. <laughs> <laughs> like, do you have West Nile? Tell me now. Like, I'm just thinking of stuff that mosquitoes can transmit, and it's like, West Nile, malaria, Zika, like, all that shit. Yeah, mm. like, don't, like, like, like sometimes they'll, they'll describe vampires, vampires as, like, drinking from rats, and I'm just like, gross. All right. I don't I mean, want that. Hold up, like, that's not, that's not sexy. That's not sanitary. Those aren't clean. Mm-mm. Don't put your mouth on rats. No. <laughs> Don't bite a rat. That's our advice from Don't the Hater Podcast. rat. Like, cooked maybe. Like, but not with the fur. Gross. Like, that's just, like, getting, like, I can only imagine, like, getting, like, fur in your mouth would be an awful experience. <laughs> 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 Oh, that just made me think of that one uh, Doctor Who episode where all the, like, teachers are bat people and they eat the rats. (laughs) There's just, like, it's this one episode, and it's not even... Doctor Who is, like, sometimes they're like, oh, it's a horror show, but it's not in, like, almost every episode. 
but there's one where it's just like the whole point is that there are bat people who are looking like humans and they're using child children's brains as supercomputers to try and break the universal code and become gods. Oh, yeah. But they also just eat frozen rats. Yeah, okay. I remember that. That's just what snakes eat. <laughs> yeah, it's That's just... just... Just go to a pet supply store and get some rats. Okay, fine. I guess if they're food grade for snakes. Yeah, it just really, but it just really undercuts the horror of the rest of it because it's like, yeah. But every time I look at these, I'm like, these people eat frozen rats. They don't even eat like actual food, just rats. Just rats, no food, only rats. <laughs> no food, only rats. <laughs> but yeah, so I think I've also seen like a Kinsey scale for monster fucking, where it's like maybe one humanoid monster to like just anything and everything, like a gelatinous cube. <laughs> I would not. I'm sorry, but I would not. Like you have to have like a. Let's go through the monster manual for D and D and just see. (laughs) You make a joke, but that's what we did. I I don't remember which one we did. I looked up a list of monsters, and we just stood at the back of this classroom, and I would read a monster out to Anissa, and Anissa would say, "Smash or pass." (laughs) Okay, so you made it sound earlier like it was the thing that Anissa had subjected you to unwillingly. It sounds like you were not only encouraging this, but facilitating it. Well, no, it was it was Anissa came up to me and started the conversation, and then I got intrigued because I wanted to see how far this would go, and then we ended up, you know, with a sphinx, which is mostly a lion, and Anissa said yes. Okay, don't at me, but, I mean, you can't, you're gonna at me, no matter what I do. <laughs> yeah. There's no but. way for a monster fucker to win in today's society. I mean, really? <laughs> we are really a minority community that really needs to be heard. Fair. <laughs> I sent, uh, this Kin- I think I found the Kinsey Yay! Yeah, yeah, I found it. Alright, cool. <laughs> Alright, Anissa, where do you rank yourself on this list? Wait, let me just, let me just. <laughs> Alright, so I'm gonna read the, shall we read the ratings out? And uh, uh, I will read it because I already know what my answer is because of, of, like, who I am as a person. So I will read it and then you guys can find yourselves on the list. So okay. Zero is has literally no desire to fuck any monsters whatsoever, what the fuck, which is, like, you know, the most I don't want to happen, this. I said that in the wrong order, but it's fine. Um, one is prefers humans, but would consider fucking more humanoid monsters, which I guess is, like, werewolves, vampires, zombies, that kind of thing. Uh, two, kind of prefers humans, but wouldn't pass on the opportunity to fuck a cryptid. Three, equally likely to get caught riding a human or a monster. Four, which is, I think this is where it gets into super questionable territory. Four, mostly into monsters, probably has a list of humans they would want to blow their back out. So it's, like, mostly monsters, but you got a hall pass, I guess. Um, five, generally into monsters, can see why someone might, might like that one human, or six, is currently trying to get rod by at least two cryptids behind a Denny's, and then X, which is neither humans nor monsters, zero interest in anyone, which is where I'm at, because I am an asexual person, and so, you know, mm-hmm. sex is kind of not on the table for me. Yeah. About me. I, am, <laughs> I am two through six. Oh, that depends on how I'm feeling. Anissa <laughs> oscillates from a two to a six depending on the time of week, I guess, is what she's trying to tell us. Yeah. So you go all the way up to getting Rod behind a Denny's. Oh my god, are you kidding me? <laughs> I, hey. Okay, but which two cryptids are you currently trying to get you get to oh, Rod behind the Denny's? That's the, the real question. Mothman is obviously one of them. Oh my god, are you kidding me? <laughs> That moth face and that man's ass. 
They did not have to make his ass. They didn't have to make his butt that nice, but they did. They really did. Okay, another one would be, hmm. Let's parse this out because this is an important choice. I have. Yeah, no, because you gotta think about who's compatible with both you and Mothman because it's simultaneously. Yeah, you gotta. you gotta establish foundation. It's both of them at the same time behind the Denny's. So you've okay. established a foundation of trust and, like, respect with the Mothman. So you're ready to introduce another person. So who is this other person that, like, both of you would be into? Mm-hmm. Abe Sapien from the Hellboy movies. I don't mm. know who that is. Oh, look up a picture because <laughs> it's basically yeah. the same water monster, but, like, he speaks. Doc, <laughs> mm. that's good. Okay, so you, Mothman, and Fishboy. Yes. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Cool. Uh, good go to know. Alright. Uh, the image should be coming in now, Caroline. And then you can answer where you are on this scale. <laughs> that is a striking face. Um, It's Fishman. So he, he either doesn't have a nose or he does, depending on which medium he's in. This is yeah, interesting. True. Mm. So which version, Anissa? Are you going for live action, no, no nose? <laughs> or comic? I mean... Okay, here's the thing about the live-action one. Mm-hmm. He looks good at certain angles. Like, the okay. picture you have of him right now, like, I wouldn't. Loki, like, you have to take that off, bro. <laughs> but, um... It's certain lighting. It's certain lighting. Just but, photograph well, um, that's okay. <laughs> but, um, medium, both. Absolutely. Alright. Um... You can God, have I me, guess... but it won't change. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I have to pick, I'd be one, I think. Okay. Because uh, I can see, like, either, like, a vampire, or if we're, like, counting any supernatural creature, then maybe one of the fey folk. Mm. But, like, yeah. People who are known for being pretty and, like, seducing people, like, yeah, I'm fucking, I'm human, that they're designed to do it. It's their job. I was about to say, it's but their exists. job. Uh, fair enough, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I can. See, I think you've talked about uh, lesbian vampires enough yeah. that I know it presented the opportunity. Yeah. No. Yeah. All lesbian. All lesbians in fiction are vamp. Or all vampires in fiction are lesbians. <laughs> Not all lesbians are vampires. Some aren't. Yeah, uh, a good deal of lesbians aren't vampires. A good I mean, deal of lesbians aren't vampires. Uh, but a lot of overlap. vampires are lesbians, except for those like. The daughter and the mom from Hotel Transylvania, and I'm not counting Adam Sandler movies as like part of any literary canon. Oh, okay. No. <laughs> so no. Um, yeah. So that's where I'm at with that because we got Carmilla from both the book and the web series. We got Marceline, Vampire Queen. Yes. Uh, we have Danny from The Adventure Zone. I think that's her name. Uh, and we have God. There's one more. Fuck. I'm blanking. Oh, there's that one from Homestuck that's, like, a lesbian vampire who has a chainsaw as well, who's also an mm. alien. Uh, and that's the thing I learned about, because the Homestuck people are based off of Zodiac signs, and that one is my Zodiac sign. Wait, I didn't know that. Yeah! I've, I've tried to disconnect myself from Homestuck as much as possible. Yeah, I had a friend who, like, tried to get me into it, and I got kind of far into the comic, but there's, like, a lot of pages, and I kept losing track, so I didn't finish it's also kind of confusing but yeah there's a lesbian vampire with a chainsaw uh in homestead so that's cool 
Um, yeah. I think I've read about three pages of Homestuck in my whole life, and, you know, I think that that's a, a good number to have... Yeah, that's a good amount. Yeah. But, yeah. So, yeah, I have... Vampires are cool. So, moving on from that. So, moving on that tangent. I don't know where we're supposed to go from yeah, there. I mean, we have to hit the comedic plateau of this episode now. Yeah. Um... <laughs> You know, we all know each other a little bit better now, I think. Yeah. <laughs> or confirmed what we already knew about each other. I mean, you, hey, all of you already knew. Twas known. Oh, oh Scale. You have scale now. Now you know. Yeah. Yeah. It is interesting, though. I feel like growing up with horror media being as pervasive as it is really trained me to approach everything as if it's a horror situation. Yeah. And I remember this because there's this like one segment in uh, Skyrim where you're fighting like you're gonna you're about to go fight this giant spider thing. And like clearly what's intended to happen is that you just walk right in, it drops on you from above, uh, and then you know, you take like the jump scare of just being randomly attacked from above. Um, but my brain saw that entrance and was like, mmm that looks like a good murder point for me to get murdered immediately. Uh, so I walked around the edge and managed to circumvent that fight, which is nice. I think, yeah, horror has at least made me, the fear of horror movies has made me a more aware person because I don't want to get axe murdered. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah. D&D kind of made me that way of just like, yeah, people being like, are you sure you want to do that? I'm like, no, we're going to try <laughs> a different angle. <laughs> and that's you know yeah. that's I end up doing pretty well in D and D most of the time. Mm-hmm. That's like that's happened to me a couple of times in real life. Like I mm. think we were on like um that Austin trip. Yeah. And, like like the, my roommates like were gonna jump out at me like when I walked in. Oh I yeah. Just, like, but here's the thing: I'm not like I've I've watched too many horror movies, so I just kind of peeked in. I didn't see them, so I was like. I'm not, why would I walk into that room? Like, that, that's stupid. So I just kind of closed the door and then went back and then called them, like, hey, where are you? And, like, I just kept peeking in. Like, I never fully went into the room. I and they never peeked. fully jumped out? They jumped out eventually. Because, like, not not because, like, um, not because, like, I caught them or anything, but because, like, I saw, like, the movement into the curtains. I was like, okay, so they're probably in there trying to jump scare me. So I was like, whatever, let's. Let's let's get this over with. And I walked in, and they came out. Yeah, I remember them expressing their frustration at their inability to jump scare you when that happened. I'm, just, I'm sorry. Anise is not a fucking chump, y'all. No. Not a chump. Like I, I can see that. Like, I why think... would I walk into an empty room? Like that's mysterious. Like that's a terrible idea. That's a bad idea. I think that happened simultaneously to when we were filming our 22nd horror film in the bathroom of our hotel room. Mm. <laughs> mood yeah we also did that yeah we were like we can do shadow puppets in this bathtub that we have put some couch cushions in mm-hmm. yeah. yeah that it was, was fun impromptu set. impromptu was. set for a little 20 second horror movie um yeah it was fun mm-hmm. god yeah i think yeah when i get all right you go ahead I was just gonna say speaking of zombies we also that same night watched a horrible zombie oh yeah show. Which we've talked about before, but I will say again, Outlast is a bad show that's bad. It's wait, it wasn't called Outlast. I think it was is called it? like Last Day something. Yeah. I don't know. It's on something. Netflix. It's not good. Is Netflix was it Daybreak? 
Daybreak. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I've heard it's really bad. It like, is. The thing, thing about it is like not really getting full attention. So. Mm. Yeah, yeah. No, that's kind of where we were at with that. It's a bad time. Yeah, I think. I don't know. Like, when I get jump scared, I don't like. I'll maybe physically move a little bit, but often, like the, if I make a noise, it's often kind of pre pre programmed in of like, oh, well, I guess I should make this noise now to kind of indicate that I have been startled. Um, <laughs> like it seems semi conscious to me, which is weird. <laughs> um. So yeah. yeah. I do remember. Because uh, I have not jump scared you, perhaps, but I do do the thing where I come up behind you and I put my hands on your shoulders yeah. and like literally jump from that position. Yeah. Uh, and you don't react. I mean, you react mostly just by like, you know, I think you startle is like the yeah. only thing that happens. Um, but yeah, that's that's a thing that I find. I don't know. I only do it with people I'm good friends with, so I like I know that I'm not just gonna randomly attack someone who like has a trigger related to being randomly just mm-hmm. attacked. Um. But it is very funny to watch people's reaction to me doing that. Because some people will, like, yelp or scream. Even if it's, like, the sixth or seventh time I've done that to them. Yeah, I think I just, like, jump and just go, Jesus fucking Christ, and turn around. Depending on whether or not I have my backpack on. Because my backpack is heavy as fuck. And so anyone, like, fucking with my equilibrium will immediately, like, piss me off. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's probably, like, yeah, it's, like mild confusion and startlement and then just kind of vaguely ir- vague irritation mm-hmm. I mean yeah you've cursed me out for doing that but I think that's yeah. also because I'm one of the people who you can curse out without repercussion because I curse you, you out know. for a lot of things yeah yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm just one of those people I'm just you know mm-hmm. you're just one of the folks I can bully this is true <laughs> I think I was going to say, if we're talking about our fear responses, I've learned that my fear response is laughing, which is maybe mm. not the most, you know, healthy fear response. But I, like, laughter is a fear response yeah. in and of itself, but that's what I do when I'm like scared is I start laughing. So, you know, big Joker energy, I guess. Yeah. I don't think the Joker's afraid when he laughs. I think that's just no. what he does. I think he's entertained. He's yeah. entertained. Yeah. I mean, my fear response is cursing and also insulting like mm. I feel Valid. like like I feel like if I call like a Pennywise or whatever a sloppy bitch like some of his power is immediately removed like I'm mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah like irritation can take away a lot of power from a scary situation because it's just like no you know what actually you're just being a little bitch and I don't like that I'm not a fan of the thing that you're doing yeah not only do you not get the power of scaring me, you're not going to get the power of, like, like, I now have the power of, like, affecting your life negatively by getting upset with you. You're not giving you the reaction you want. Nice. How do you react to be called the B-word? How about that? <laughs> uh, I just had a vivid flashback to the first time I was called a bitch. Sorry. Oh. Yeah, That's it happened rough. in the hallway of my church when I was 12 years old. That's... Sure. Yeah. Church in the Lord's house? In the Lord's house. I was walking down the hallway. Wow. There was like a guy who was 17 who, I don't know, I made him mad or something. He came up to me when we were alone in the hallway, called me that, and walked away. And I was like, well, that's a new experience I have now. How old were you? Was I 12? It was, no, I must have been 
I must have been like just ha- going into my first year of middle school. So like 11, I guess. Bro, <laughs> I'm fucking mad now. What the hell? Yeah, I mean, it was funny. I didn't take it seriously, okay. which I think is like how I process things is if you don't take it in that same vein, if you don't take it seriously, it's not scary or a big deal. Okay, yeah. But yeah, that that was my first experience with <laughs> that. I think the first time I got, I remember the first time I got called a whore, and it was by my brothers and his friends, because they just discovered what the word meant, and they were oh. using it on me, I guess, and I was like, I, I didn't know what the word meant, so I was like, it, what? <laughs> what is that? I think I responded, like, and you're a horror, like, to deal with, and then it just walked off, and then I figured out what it meant a few weeks later, and I was like, son of a bitch. <laughs> um, so yeah, and then I think I got called a bitch for the first time in middle school. I was mm-hmm. in seventh grade, and I think, like, there's this kid who was, like, always kind of getting into trouble. Like, if he was handed a detention slip, he would always, like, rip it up. And it was, like, fascinating to me as someone who never, ever had that kind of, like, nerve or dumbassery within me. I was just like, why the fuck would you do that and, like, not give a shit? And so, you know, like, he was in a lot of my classes. And at some point, he just, like, got told off for something and then, like, kind of did something to scoot into the desk weirdly, and I guess I got caught looking at him, like, a little bit too long, so he just looked at me and was like, bitch, and I was like, okay, cool, that's gonna stay with me for the rest of my life, I guess. Neato. I mean, I can't remember the exact first time I was Mm -hmm. called the word, because I went, like, I was that kind of person who, I was, like, very quiet and well-behaved, like, all these people like me, but, like, Mm -hmm. if someone tried to start something, I would immediately respond and, like, Mm -hmm. try to start a fight. So I was called that like a lot mm. just by the very nature of doing that. Like Yeah. So at this point, like it's all kind of blurred together. Like, okay, you called me the B word, so what I was called that like since elementary school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I kinda Gang don't misogyny. Care. No, we love it. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Patriarchy's great. Yay. <laughs> and on that chillingly cold take i think we're probably towards the end of this episode more or less all right uh what did we learn today what did we uh patriarchy bad patriarchy bad good to know good to know uh horror make you feel things that you want to feel but you don't want to feel at the same time horror is complicated uh apocalypse not horror we know where we We've kind of finally hammered down where we are on the Kinsey scale, respectively, <laughs> which I think is important. That's a good discovery to make. We already knew where I was. <laughs> or not yeah. the scale, the monster fucker Kinsey scale. My apologies. Uh, 2020 is worse than 2016, which is quite the development. Mm-hmm. Um, and Anissa's favorite form of horror media, media is video games. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Oh yeah, think... and horror are technically the same genre. Yeah. <laughs> Remember that, kids. <laughs> Remember that, kids. I will link the video in the timestamp doc. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I think that's what we learned. You know, I think that's a good. You know, stay safe. Uh, wear a mask. Not necessarily a hockey mask or one of those weird ghost masks, but like an mm-hmm. actual face mask, so you don't breathe on people and get them sick. That's real spooky. Yeah. Um, the most horrific thing out there is truly, you know, not being a responsible member of society. The true, the truly most terrifying thing uh, on this planet is the harm that we can inflict upon other people. The real yeah. horror. 
was the disease we caught along the way. Yeah, and on that terrific note, I will say thanks to Saw Square Noise on the Free Music Archive for the use of their song, Cow Defense Ending, for our intro and outro. Potential sponsors. Blue Apron. Blue Apron. HelloFresh. Cast Me Forever Mattresses. NordVPN ExpressVPN. Uh, if you own a business and you want to give us like a dollar, we'll take it and we'll you can be a sponsor. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk dollar. about your thing. If you want to give us money, please. Or if yeah. you can give us money. If you're like a small business getting off the ground, also let us know and we will send you approximately eight teenagers. <laughs> yeah. You may not have extra money to spend. But we'll, they'll definitely know about you. Uh, listeners, tell your friends, your mortal enemies, your serial killer stalkers. Your, your monster's under the bed. Yeah, the monster's in your bed. Um, oh, one of our you know. <laughs> uh, your accidental creation who you shunned for way too long and then, you know, were just a bad parent to. Yeah, um, Victor. What else? <laughs> yeah. Tell Victor Frankenstein himself. Tell Victor um, Frankenstein to fuck off specifically. Yeah. <laughs> if you ever get the opportunity to Victor to talk to Victor Frankenstein, tell him that. But you know, tell the your literature club that slowly evolves into a murder cult. All everyone you can tell them about our podcast. Um, and email us fun stuff at heynerdpodcast at gmail dot com. And then you can check back next week where you will find an episode. Caroline, do you want to give the episode hint? Um, it's an episode that I think, um, you know, narratively, I think it toys with story, I think, mm. is going to be our Wow, end. wow. <laughs> you put me on the spot, man. Yeah, <laughs> that's how it feels every time I'm trying to come up with an episode hit, my friend. Uh, but yes, wait, check back next week for that. Uh, and we didn't do Hay, Hay-, Hay- Nerd, but we should try to do Binerd. So. Okay, so... Three, two, two one. Bye, nerd. All right. I think that was good. I yeah. Think that was good. good enough for me to end now. Mm-hmm.